Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin is part of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com and check out the vast array of podcasts they have to offer. That is OsirisPod.com. I got a fascinating episode of the podcast for you today. One that looks back on the distressing events of January 6, 2021 through an examination of the documentary Day of Rage. It's a film that calls thousands of hours of video and audio from protesters and police body camps to tell the story of the Capitol insurrection. Day of Rage is the product of a six-month New York Times investigation and it provides the most complete picture to date of what happened that day and why. To properly delve into this powerful documentary, this episode features an interview with the senior producer of the New York Times visual investigations team who produced and co-directed Day of Rage, Malachi Brown. Malachi was part of a team that won a Pulitzer Prize in 2020 for international reporting for coverage of Russian culpability in crimes around the world, including the bombing of hospitals in Syria. He has led investigations into the killing of Breonna Taylor and other black Americans by police, the Las Vegas mass shooting, chemical weapons attacks in Syria, extrajudicial military shootings in Nigeria, and the killing of a young Palestinian medic along the Gaza-Israeli border. It is absolutely incredible what the New York Times visual investigations team is up to. I will have a link in the show notes to check out more of their work and also a link to see Day of Rage in its entirety. So in this episode, me and Maliki talk about the bounty of footage and audio that was amassed for the project. Who exactly the rioters were as exposed in the documentary. The evidence present in Day of Rage that the storming of the Capitol was assuredly premeditated. How the Capitol Police were failed and let down that faithful day and so much more. Malky describes the film as evidence of exactly what happened that day and that's the truth. It really is a profoundly comprehensive breakdown of the storming of the Capitol before, during, and after. It's truly amazing. Check it out and I have no doubt you will appreciate this interview with Malachi Brown. much for joining the program here today um just to uh, start off kind of generally speaking um why did you and uh your team the uh vis- visual uh in investigation team that you have why did you want to tell this story oh it was such a huge event mike um like we were monitoring january 6th on a day some members of our team um we're in a news organization and so that's what we do but then once we saw it take off in the way that we, that it did you know just uh, Everybody else, yeah, everybody else on the team sort of jumped in. And, you know, what we do is, um, you know, we we see this footage not just sort of like, you know, as uh, as sort of, um, 
b-roll and, and like just imagery to, call, to tell a story but as evidence mm-hmm. and um and that's been our mode for the last few years and so that's what we did we kicked in and started collecting from across all social media platforms as much of it as we could the goal being to sort of to deep to more deeply understand how it uh unfolded how the police fell so quickly the pressure they were under how many places people got into the capitol building itself just what happened, what people were saying. Uh, we knew that there were extremist elements there. What was the interaction of the the, the more extreme uh, people there with ordinary Trump supporters who, who, who just got swept up in it? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so many questions to, to answer, but we also kind of wanted to situate it in the climate that led to January 6th as well, you know, um, and sort of the, the, the months leading up to it. Um, so that, that was the intention with the doc. Yeah, um, you kind of alluded to already, but I mean, this is a six-month uh, investigation that that you and your team took part of, and uh, it's just crazy the the amount of footage you have, and just I mean, you really feel like there's the eight points of entry that are around the Capitol, and you feel you're like in the middle of this insurrection through all the footage. So, I was hoping you can speak a little bit about you know uh, where you got some of this footage. I'm assuming some of it. Did you have access to the Capitol? Um, cameras inside, uh, you had to be, and you mentioned it a little bit, kind of getting camera footage from the rioters themselves. There's, I mean, you really pulled a, pulled a lot from a lot of places. Yeah, it ended up being over 3,000 files, um, just the video alone, you know, and some of those, I think we, we had a few dozen live streams, and those live streams kind of went four hours, five hours, one of them was eight hours long. And they were really helpful because they allowed us to follow uh, the crowd, you know, around the capital to the capital and then through it. And we literally had, yeah, yeah, the whole journey from from the the speech all the way into the stairs inside. It's unbelievable. The whole thing and the aftermath, you know, yeah. as they were clearing it out. Um, so we literally had floor plans of the capital where we're sketching where people are going in different colored pens and stuff like that, um, and. So it was, yeah, it was a huge effort. And then we, we kept collecting as we were going, you know, and um, our lawyers also helped us out. They joined a, a motion that went to courts to unseal evidence that was attached to indictments. And mm-hmm. so that kept coming through, which is, a lot of it was body cam footage. Wow. But the um, uh, we worked sources in the impeachment um uh managers mm-hmm. um for, for for the impeachment trial and they um provided us with the security camera footage inside the capitol okay. as well yeah and then c-span footage and all the rest of it yeah was um for some of it i'm assuming you had to act pretty fast some of these people once they realized how you know uh, much trouble they could be in or whatnot i'm sure a lot of people were trying to erase some of this this footage out there in the world is that the case Exactly. Yeah. Like straight away, we realized it, it would implicate, uh, they would realize that it was implicating yep. material. Um, so we had an assistant editor on straight away archiving as we as we went. And so we had this asset spreadsheet, but then we also had a sort of a timeline spreadsheet where we were kind of moment by moment plotting out what, what was going on. So essential. So I have to ask this because when I watch this footage, um, you know, and just even look at images of the whole thing, I have like a visceral reaction. I get... Uh, I feel sick sometimes. I'm I'm horrified. I'm angry. I get sad sometimes. And I just, you know, thinking about the, the the all those files you spoke of, all the footage you have. Was it hard for you, you and your team, to to go through all this footage? It's 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 really intense stuff. 
Yeah, at the start, I would say it is intense. And at the start, I would say we had a problem to solve, you know, and we really yeah. just wanted to understand and like what happened to Roseanne Boylan, what happened to Brian Sicknick, Officer Sicknick, what happened to Ashley Babbitt, and to go after all of those targets. And so when you're doing that, you know, it, you kind of look past it a little bit. Yeah, but we also realize, right yeah, just yeah. purpose. But, um, um, but you, you know, we realized that this was an unfiltered view, very raw. It almost felt like when we were watching it, we were walking along with the rioters. And yep. so we also started capturing the sound bites of what they were saying. And the sort of, there were through lines emerging with that, that we kind of peppered in the, in the doc. Um, but after, you know, m- months and months of watching through that, it, it does wear you down and becomes yeah. wearing for everyone, you know, and I think once we once we released it, we, none of us wanted to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> no more. Than that. I totally get it. Was it? Um, it seemed to me, and I really like this approach that um, there was like a conscious decision to let the footage and let you know the uh, the words of the the rioters and even uh, Trump at the time to just let that tell the story. There was no added commentary. Was that? kind of the focus here to um you know the aim being the footage speaking the truth itself yeah exactly yeah. i mean this is it's kind of uh it's uh it's a definitive account it's kind of it's undeniable really when you watch it yeah. um and we're just a guiding hand you know of course we do a lot of reporting into it but, but you're dead right we just wanted to let the footage speak for itself and then maybe just like touch on a couple of things that there was you know one thing that came screamed through the whole day was the amount of times that the police said or that the writer said to the police we're on your side and you should be on our side and there was a standoff of a few minutes and then they would just beat the hell out of them to get past them and so that 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 was a repeated throughout the day and so we kind of touched on that a little time but didn't want to labor on it too much and then the other one was um you know how people were echoing what they had been told for months but also in real time echoing words from Trump's speech that day or even from his tweet in the midst of the riot and yeah. yeah absolutely um i think it's really important and and you get to see uh, uh the variety at play here too but to analyze exactly who the rioters were and i'm certain your work um you know with all this footage and and putting this uh doc together you have some insight into who exactly the rioters were. I was hoping you could speak a little bit about that because, I mean, they do come from different walks of life and with a little bit different purposes as well. Yeah, um, completely. Like the vast majority of people there did not come with violent intentions. You know, they were there to protest what they believed. Mm -hmm. But there was this sort of like interlacing of all of these different groups with the common denominator of of this stolen election that they they believed so firmly in. and so you had, I kind of think of it a little bit like, you know, a pyramid or a triangle that at the top you had a really small section, but quite violent section of uh, of, of extremists, far-right extremist groups, the Boogaloo Boys, Three Percenters, um, Oath Keepers were there, and the Proud Boys as well. Um, and then below that, then you had, you know, there was quite a number, several hundred, I would say, of people who were not affiliated with them, mm. uh, but who came prepared for violence. And you could see it in the, in the equipment they brought. Mm. And then you had the sort of the, the ordinary Trump supporters. And it was that sort of mix of key moments of the Proud Boys riling up the crowd, mm. having some people who were quite happy to be violent, and then the sort of the mob mentality taking hold. That, that's really what you saw. It was really wild to see um, 
the Oath Keepers uh, moving in formation uh, through that, through the crowd and just how, you know, organized they were. And then, you know, the breakdown too of the Proud Boys and how, um, what was it? Andrew Clyde, I think was given war power, just like that. I don't know. It was really wild to see that top point of the pyramid uh, that you speak of were really ready to go. Absolutely ready to go. It was striking to me how passionate everyone assembled was, how much it seems to, you know, the, how much they bought into the idea that the big lie, uh, the big, that the election was stolen. They really, really bought in and they believed, and you were kind of alluding to it, that they were patriots, that they, um, uh, they even mentioned that they, you know, that the president, you know, almost asked them to be there. Did that strike you a whole bunch Just how passionate and how much they really believed they were doing the right thing? I think that's a kind of an important part point to make that they really believed they were, you know, sent there on a mission. Yeah, completely. You, you, you see that very clearly. And that was one of the, the reasons that we wanted to not just go through in minute detail what happened that day, but to situate it in a much broader context mm. is to show the real world effect of that disinformation and that, yeah. that propaganda. Um, and it sang through. Um, it, you know, it really, it really was echoed throughout the day. And people did believe that they were, they were shouting 7076, they were chanting our house, mm -hmm. uh, they were chanting, you know, uh, that it was their patriotic duty. And you, you, you yeah, you, you, you had that they believed that they had all of the right on their side for doing whatever it took to um, to stop the election from being certified. Um, I think the, I heard the, there's a phrase uttered deputized by the president at, at some point that was mentioned. Um, it really points out too that, you know, not everybody, of course, as you already alluded to, but there was a lot of premeditation here. And that that's, that's highlighted in this documentary. I mean, that's definitely the case, right? There was people who came knowing that they were going to storm the Capitol that day. Yes, um, there were in the... You know, you could see it um, in the social media posts. And I think one of the mistakes was that intelligence and other agencies sort of didn't really heed that warning uh, in the months up to it and were a little bit dismissive of, of that chatter. But even on the day itself, you know, when you have this focal point with tens of thousands of people there, it was really well understood amongst a subset of the crowd that there was going to be trouble that day. And you see it now coming out in the messages that the investigators are getting from different chat apps and, and, and as they're, you know, as they're indicting people and that's information is being released. That's becoming even more clear now um, among some of these more extremist groups. But there was a message out there, even with sort of regular Trump supporters, you know, what we're hearing, what we're seeing on the street. Wait till you see what happens later today. We need to go inside the Capitol and all of that, you know. Yeah, not even just later today. Someone was like, you know, the day before, wait till wait till tomorrow. It's really, really going down. Yeah. That's why, you know, the stock is so important too. like you. You described it as evidence before, and there's just so much uh, important evidence there. Very troubling aspect. Um to me was uh, very highlighted in the film was the lack of support that the Capitol Police got and, and how their leadership let them down. Um, you know, it, it's even that point where they called in a 1033, which is the call of last response and nothing happened. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the failings of leadership and the lack of support the Capitol Police got on um, January 6th. Yeah, it goes back to the, um, and my colleagues at the Times have done great reporting on this, Luke Broadwater and Hayley Willis in particular, um, mm -hmm. Robin Stein as well. Um, 
it, it, it just goes back to not really heeding the warnings that were made from other agencies. The FBI had made warnings, but there, even the Capitol Police's own internal um, uh, investigators uh, issued warnings. And, you know, the, they had, um, I think there's 1,800 Capitol Police right. and for protests, you know, regularly they would hold people over from the, the overnight shift or bring more people in early to staff up. Um, and on this day, it just seems that they were afraid of the optics of doing that. And they, the officers, they only had a, a few officers peppered around the west side of the terrace. They had a few dozen on the east side of the of the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have uh, the right equipment. Um, they had flimsy enough fencing around the capital and just were completely unprepared for it. Um, I think there were some operational um issues as well with unlocking equipment not having enough equipment um not having experience uh with, with you know are, are being trained to expect a riot i think they just didn't ever anticipate anything like this happening at the capitol you know because what you see when the when the metro police arrive is they take control and they start mm-hmm. they have experience with this Mm-hmm. And they start using their 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 weapons, um, and they restore a little bit of order before they're overwhelmed again. Yeah, uh, it's really it's it's brilliant how uh, uh, plainly and cleanly the timeline is li- uh, laid out. I mean, you know, it, even inserting um, Trump's tweets at points with the, the especially the Pence one, and then it was just it was it kind of blew my mind a little bit to see that the House was still in session. I mean, that decision to continue. Um, hearing Paul um, Gossard's objections led led to a loss of life. I have to think. I mean, that's that's pretty troubling that they continued with that one. Yeah, the Senate is is locked down immediately. They yeah. are prepared to eva- evacuate, and the House continues. Yeah, you're dead right. And then I think you know we talked to Jim McGovern's office because Nancy Pelosi was whipped out. They knew it was serious mm-hmm. enough to get rid of her, but mm-hmm. McGovern steps in, um, and he you know, just credit kind of ask security, is this okay? Can we finish? And security said, yeah, you're fine. And I don't think they really understood that just right. a level before below them, there was a crowd of just about to overrun the, the police downstairs and be at their doors in minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, and as you saw then, you see with the Ashley Babbitt scene, the, the you know, they, they arrive at the hallway to the back of the house just uh-huh. as they, they're evacuating and that's what riles up the protesters and they start trying to break through and smash down the glass. Um, and, um, you know, it's not their fault, I suppose, but that delay did contribute to that, um, uh, to, to, to what happened in, the, in that moment. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. It is, I mean, they, uh, they couldn't have known. They really couldn't have known yeah. the gravity of what, what was occurring. Um, kind of to bring us home a little bit, I'm curious, um, you know, uh, I guess... I guess I was going to say general take, you know, what, what you would hope that viewers take away from this when they walk away. But also I'm curious too, personally, what, what after, you know, digging through all this, um, you know, footage and exploring this story for so long and pulling, putting to light all this evidence, kind of what, what you're walking away feeling about um, things moving forward. And yeah, what, 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 what do you hope viewers um, do take away from, from watching Dave Rage? Day of Rage has been, or well, sorry, January 6th has been politicized again. Sure. And it's for a lot of people, it's the starting point of something new and, and a new movement. Um, and, you know, I think there's what we hoped anyway, was that th- this was going to be a, 
an, an indisputable account of what happened um, that people can refer back to. Um, and you can see it and, and hear it for yourself. You know, all of the conspiracies around it are disproved by the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Absolutely. you know, it, it, it has that sort of that, that continuing relevance. Um, and I have to say that, you know, there are concerning things that are happening with the state of American democracy um, this year, you know, um, and it's not just the you know your your traditional stuff around gerrymandering or yeah. or other voting rights issues it's it's going beyond that um and even this weekend the former president of a, a rally in texas you know he said that if he runs and wins in 24 he may pardon january 6 defendants who he says are being treated so unfairly in his words and he also called he, he called the um the prosecutors radical vicious racist and, and called for the biggest protest ever seen um, if they're caught doing anything wrong. And so this is the type of rhetoric that led to January 6th in the yeah. first place. And it's continuing now. Um, yeah, I think I saw so Newt Gingrich the other, you know, just about a week ago, talking about prosecuting the, the people, you know, uh, holding the, the, these hearings for January 6th. That's crazy stuff. It's, that's correct. Yeah, for, right. for doing their jobs and, and holding yep. an, an independent inquiry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, one of my takeaways is just how f- uh, fragile democracy could be in certain ways. I mean, when just a, a group of this size was able to really, I mean, they did stop the vote that day and that was that was crazy. But this is, it's, it's such an important account that you piece together here, especially, and this happened right away. I mean, the whitewash, the, the, the kind of the changing of the narrative from the truth was they started taking that and, and immediately, even some of the people who were, you know, uh, uh, congressmen who are in there uh, barricading the doors, they are the ones immediately saying this, that's not the case. There's just a piece of protest. So it's truly, it's really so important that we have this, this, this doc and just this, it's the detail and how comprehensive it was, was just incredible. So thank you very much for taking the time to, to talk about it. And I'm, I'm glad to spread the word about it. it was, it's really, really special. Thanks. Thanks very much, Mike. I just want to give a shout out to the, to the whole team behind yeah. this because it was a it was a very big collaborative effort. You know, there was 10 people directly involved in making the film, um, producers, animators, editors uh, and, and myself and Dave Botti, um, but also a sort of a cast, uh, a supporting cast of many more um, in the Times who, who made it possible in, ju- in just six months. You know, we, we kind of felt an urgency to get it out there. Yeah, I mean, the whole visceral um, investigations teams, the, 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 the topics and stories that you guys are telling are extremely important. And the way you bring them to life, it's just, it, it makes it all easily understandable, it's, you know, very visible. It's, I, I really respect everything you and your team are doing. It's really wonderful. So thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having us on.
This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.